The last two episodes, Joyce and I have been talking about different leadership models, and in particular, one that she created about three years ago to meet the challenges of a complex, somewhat unpredictable world. And she had 16 attributes, and today we have another leadership model, but it's based on lessons that we as internal leaders can learn from entrepreneurs. And so while there are many complex leadership models, this one is pretty straightforward and simple, but you know what? Sometimes simplicity works. You know, an entrepreneur wears many hats. They have to, they don't have all the answers. They don't have all the knowledge, so they have to surround themselves with great people who possess the skills and knowledge they lack. They've got to move fast and correct quickly uh, because everything is on the line if they don't. And they have to pay attention to the passion they have about the business in terms of the employee experience they want to have and the culture that they need to create to have employees be able to deliver it. So we riff about lead like you own it, lessons from an entrepreneur. So let's get started. Come on in, grab a snack, welcome. Hey, Bob. Hey, Joyce. Don't grab any That's, snacks. <laughs> no snacks. No it's, snacks. It's, no it's carbs. It's almost bathing suit. Yeah, no yeah, carbs. That's right. Come on in. Be thin. <laughs> Whatever. Um, so we spent a couple of weeks talking about um, the skeleton of a model for leadership that I wrote quite a few years ago that is pretty pertinent for today. And uh, then you and I kind of picked out our top ones. And the bottom line of that is there is no one perfect leadership model. And I, we can come back and talk about that a little and how um, a CEO and his team can develop one and use it easily in their company, large or small. So, um, and then I know that you do work that I want you to talk about and teach an entrepreneur class. And yep. that you talk to them about what makes for a successful leader of your own business and it pertains to any business. So I would like it if you would talk about that today. Okay. No, I'd be, um, I'd be happy to. Um, Tell I, what, I, you, what you teach it, what, where you well, teach it. Uh, I, I teach a 10 week course, uh, in uh, becoming an entrepreneur. And typically this is a class where most people either have used their business as a side hustle and now wanna scale it so they can support themselves and their family or people that have a great idea and are committed to launching their business it's called Launch Carry. And uh, it's interesting, uh, we do a lot of work on how to market your business, what are the financial aspects, cash flow. Uh, we do a lot of the technical areas of running a business, but we had the first class uh, really focused on what does this mean for you to be an entrepreneur? And it's, it's, it's kind of looking in the mirror and saying, why am I doing this? And ultimately, what is my vision, both personally and for the business? Uh, and we just had our 10th class, so our last class last night. And we revisited the role of them as an entrepreneur, uh, but we did it not so much through the lens of mission and vision. We did it through the, uh, through the lens of them being a leader of their business. They are 
their business. And uh, um, I put it into three buckets and I thought it was worth sharing. It's going to seem so basic and elementary, but as I look at my own experience and observing leaders, um, this is something that I, I don't think uh, that some leaders or many leaders do well, uh, all three. So um, the first one is uh, attracting talent. So it's building your team, uh, people. Uh, the second is running your business. So what does it mean as the leader to run the business? And there's kind of a tight looseness around that. I don't think it's run the business about making every decision and, and feeling that you need to uh, have your finger in every area in a deep way. But what does it mean to run your business? And then the third is about culture. It's, it's like creating the, and nurturing the culture you want. Uh, and if a leader is, in fact, one of the single greatest determinants of how a culture evolves, uh, and then you ask the question, so how do you want to be to create the culture that gives your customer the best experience as well as your employees. So that's the model. Um, and like I said, it feels pretty basic and straightforward, but from a leadership standpoint, uh, we went through 16 of these attributes, characteristics of a leader, and this is just another way of looking at it uh, from a, a standpoint of their role. Well done, and you need to do a webinar. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, you're actually yours are more about things you do. And the yes. model that we talked about was more about being, not doing. But I can't tell you how important those three aspects are in a large company. The shock for an entrepreneur is they don't realize they're running a company. Yes. You know, even if there are two people. And, oh, yeah. And, yeah. And so, um, and I'm thinking of a company that's doing well that has 50 people. It's grown from maybe eight to 50. And the CEO has not made the transition to doing that. So wow. he forgets the impact that he or she has and rants and raves or is indulge it in the way you can be if it's you and three people that know you really well. So that person has not yet gotten the idea of being the leader and may not want to be. I mean, an yeah, awful lot of entrepreneurs sure. do not want to be a leader. And that's why sometimes they hang on too long and don't bring in somebody who does want to be a leader, does want to run the business, and does want to create a culture. So, um, and they sometimes they don't know the the other point about running the business. They sometimes don't know the levers. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and looking at, um, you know, this is an area that if you're running the business, you can't be an expert in every area. So these bleed over to one another. You know, you have to assess what it is you need to be and bring to run a business well. And part of that is recognizing where you may lack expertise or an orientation and then finding the talent that can help uh, not only teach you, but uh, can lead that particular area. And that often you can't afford 
and often, yeah, absolutely, as an entrepreneur, uh, we talk about the many hats that they wear. And, uh, you know, um, I, I, we've coined this term, and I think about being a leader in, inside an organization. We, we talk about this, uh, this board of advisors. So it's literally people, much like a, a, a board of directors in a company, we say, you know, being an entrepreneur is very lonely. And you may feel lost sometimes. You may have a lack of, you know, are we making progress? And so you find people that bring talent that perhaps you don't, and you sit down with them for an hour, four times a year. And you have a conversation about where you're, you feel unsure, where you've got challenges, and they actually would advise you. And uh, I think that's pretty powerful for leaders inside a company. I mean, I, I used to do it. You and I would do it together in HR and OD. Uh, that we would lean into one another when we were confronting a challenge. Uh, and typically there were other people involved. So I, that's, oh gosh, I don't know if I could stand it. <laughs> and the other, <laughs> no, I mean, uh, being an entrepreneur, I don't know. I was an entrepreneur and we'll talk about that later about what it means to have entrepreneur, entrepreneur spirit inside a large company. <clears throat> I'm thinking about culture. I, I think when we mention culture, there tends to be an amorphous sense of it means if it's a good one, you're good to people, and if it isn't, you're bad to people. But really, it's what kind of culture do you need to run your business? So that I'm thinking of another company I've worked with where it was fast moving and hard hitting, and every day you got hit hard with something and you had to move fast and correct it for the company and it wasn't gentle <laughs> at all <laughs> it was ferocious ferocious is the right word and for small companies sometimes you really do have to be ferocious but their clients were ferocious about perfection and having things just right and so part of the culture was um, we move fast we correct quickly isn't that great yeah, it, it is in today's world for sure. Yeah, but I mean that they they articulated what was really yes. needed, not what this amorphous culture seems to be out in the world. Um, and I think most large companies would love to get back to uh, being ferocious. Well, but then it's interesting what you just described, and that was the intent last night when we met to make culture uh, more concrete and more mm -hmm. purposeful. Mm -hmm. And uh, you'd appreciate this. Uh, hopefully our listeners will. I actually did a guided imagery oh. and yep. on Zoom, on Zooms. So yep. I, I, I had them imagine that it's five years from now mm. and just get into the space of being the leader of that business. And you feel so proud of what you created. And I asked them to think about what is the customer's experience uh, and why is it unique and why are you a magnet? And then for those that had employees, the same question, you know, so talk about what your, uh, your employees are doing and how they're being. Uh, and then when uh, I brought them back uh, from the guided imagery, um, I asked the question, who do you need to be to make that happen? Nice, uh, Bobby. Yeah, it was, and, and it's something that I don't know. I mean, we've done iterations of that, 
Yeah. Uh, but it, it was pretty basic and straightforward. And, and it was amazing how concrete people got. Well, if I want that, I have to be, you know, I have to be ferocious. I have to be uh, yeah. aggressive. I have to be customer centric. Um, you, you, know, have so was, never get, you have to never get tired. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I'll tell you that one of our students, uh, she, I hate to call them students. I'm going to call them graduates now. Learners. Um, learners, entrepreneurs. Um, one of them uh, ran a physical therapy business and she's at a huge crossroad. Essentially, she was the sole uh, practitioner in the organization. Mm. So she felt that she had a real sense of the culture that she wanted and what her, she wanted her, her uh, clients experience to be. And she's faced with this challenge. She's, she's, her business is growing so much, she's bringing in another uh, physical therapist. And this exercise was really helpful for her because it, it said, you know, whether it's who do you hire or how do you train, I don't need to have a dilutive effect by me not being the only person uh, that's delivering the service in this company. I can now create an environment through a culture. And so it was very helpful. And that one sentence you said was so terrific. And I won't get it right, but about to add people doesn't mean you're diluting the culture. Yeah. If yeah. you do it right. Yeah. You remember we, we once did some consulting with, uh, a client of yours that the, the business was transitioning and growing exponentially, uh, having to do with the uh, Affordable Care Act. And the, the topic was how do we maintain the culture that we've created? Uh, um, and, and so it's, it's, it's not like you set it and then it runs itself. You have to be constantly um, kind of assessing where you are and making the tweaks as a leader um, to, to keep it on track and growing. Yeah, um, along with that, I remember another company that was young and fast and hard hitting. And they said, in our culture, we use strong language. We use mm. offensive language sometimes. It's up to anybody that doesn't like it to say so because it's one of the ways we blow off steam, so to speak. And I, you know, I, I kind of went, oh, <laughs> okay, <laughs> okay, because I'd already found some of it offensive, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm not part of the culture. Yeah, you you want to hear about a humbling exercise? So this is inside an organization with uh, a lot of employees. Uh, we did an exercise uh, whenever we would meet with large groups, have them complete the sentence. What is most important here at XYZ Company is, and let them finish. And their responses were so illustrative of what they see as the culture and where they put value. And, and for us at the time, uh, we, we did not like what we heard. It was about cost control. It was yes. about shrink. Uh, yeah. You know, what's the most important thing here? Shrink. Yeah. Um, and, and so that's a, that's a great, whether you're an entrepreneur or running a function or leading a company, um, it's a great conversation uh, asking that question. And I will, I hope, dig up the work we did with the booklet about culture. That oh, forced, yeah. Yeah, that forced people to answer quickly about 15 questions. And we gave them about 
I want to say five to eight seconds to respond. So you got the first thing out of their mouth or out of their head. And I remember one was, what's on the front of the uh, t-shirt in your company? And what's on the back? <laughs> that to be That's a great very one. Real, very fast. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, God. So th these are all, I think, great tools. Uh, but I think the, the, the real message here is, is as a leader, whether you're an entrepreneur running a function, leading in uh, a company, you have to be really attentive to uh, the fact that you are the single most important uh, uh, contributor to, the, um, to the, the, the culture that you have. And that's, I don't think that's necessarily uh, uh, one that, uh, viewpoint that many have. Because they'll come to you and I and they'll say, you know, I don't like my culture. Right. Uh, we, we don't, you know, and, you know, I, I will say, look in the mirror. Yeah, well, great. Uh, and they, they don't like that. Yeah. 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 Well, I, I just want to say, I think those three buckets you mentioned are so important for the CEO at the top of a large company. I've, I wrote one article about how exciting it is to work for a leader who loves the business. Yes. Uh, doesn't doesn't love being CEO, likes it a lot, has good perks, but is excited about the business, excited. And this was in the grocery field, and I could divide all the food retailing. I could divide all the CEOs I worked with uh, into those who were crazy about the business and those who were crazy about being CEO. Yeah, that's that's really important because if you think about where a lot of CEOs come from, they may come out of the finance function or they'll come out of the HR function mm -hmm. where their orientation and and experience don't necessarily uh, uh, line up. And uh, I'm not saying those aren't important attributes to bring to a CEO position, but if you don't have that passion that you just described and love of the business, it's it's going to bleed through in so many ways. Can I can I talk about the first bucket? Yes. I, what do you mean? Can you? Yes. Can can yeah. mother? May I <laughs> raise your hand? Raise your uh, hand. Go for it. How 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 long have we been doing this? I think we're we're having our two year anniversary, and I'm still asking permission. Hey, hey Joyce, Joyce, I want to talk about hey, this. Hey Joyce, I got something to say on uh, attracting talent or building your team. If I'm a listener out there, it's like I, I know that. Um, you know, I know it. And yet, if I look at most failures of businesses in North Carolina within my line of sight, and I have a specific example, it was an absolute disregard for thinking about what I want an employee and how are they going to contribute to the culture. There was a restaurant uh, and they were pretty uh, uh, well known before they built it because they paid $3 million for the out parcel the dirt to build their restaurant. Uh, they built a beautiful restaurant. It was a sports bar. They had more TVs than any other sports bar in town. And their employees were horrible, you know, in terms of attitude, in terms of training, in terms of problem solving. And, and I'm like, I went there a couple of times and I'm like, how can you invest all this money, probably 15 million, 20 million into this site and then literally stop short in terms of hiring great people. So I, I share that story to, to just illustrate, if you're thinking, oh, well, that's, that's a given, you have to have great people. Well, not 
every company is doing it and many are not. So Bob, may I add something? Oh yes, you may, please do. I raised my hand. I worked with a marketing firm <clears throat> that was really wonderful, very creative and had a lot of business, but not a lot of return business. Um, but anyhow, for some reason, and there were about 25 people in the room, I said, let me understand how you started this business. Everybody go to the back of the room except you, the CEO who started it. And he said, well, I thought about da 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 And I said, well, so who did you hire? He said, well, my sister was free at that time, so I hired her. So then, so she came up with her chair. And then I said, what was the third person? They said, well, so, a guy came in to deliver something and he was so creative and so cool, we hired him. <laughs> and they went on and on and on like that. They never did a formal hiring. They bumped into people. So yes. after we had everybody in the room, nobody had applied. There had never been an ad and they, they were pretty well known in, in the town. So it wasn't all a disaster, but then um, I said, "What what's turnover been like? And uh, they started to knock over chairs of people. That <laughs> and so it was the tension. I said, what possessed you? They said, oh, we were just so lucky the, pipe, the right people walked in. And maybe that's true. Mm. period. <laughs> but there's a, tension, there's a tension when you own your own company to hurry up and get that job filled. Yeah. Even oh, in a large sure. company, you know how spastic people got about, let's get somebody in that role and you can't take three days, HR. You can't take that long to hire somebody new. So well, it's, it's amazing. So I, so why is it relevant to talking about this with HROD people besides what's self-evident? Uh, you and I had a, a brilliant boss, Kathy, and she had a mantra, and you may remember this. She would say, and she said it just about every opportunity. If you have could, only one dollar. If you have, I'll let you finish it. If you have no, only you. one dollar to spend, I'm going to do the first part and you do the second part. Oh. If, if, if in HR, you only have one dollar to spend, spend 99 cents in hiring right. And I think that kind of says it all. And I, I think about these three buckets. Uh, this isn't the natural orientation for many CEOs and leaders. So I think it's our role as HROD to keep these buckets in front of not only yourself to assess, but also uh, as a means to, to kind of make sure that your leaders are paying attention to all the right levers. One more lesson. Yes. Be familiar with how the business makes money. Oh, wow. Yeah. With the basic business. What are the levers? What are the pressures? Get to know the P&L. Get to know the language of the company. Get to know that you never have a meeting on a Tuesday. You know, become conversant in the business. Yeah, no, that's that's great advice. So Joyce, we're at about time. Um, was that your closing pearl or do you yes, have anything I'm, else you'd I'm, like to I'm say? I'm empty. I like to say I'm empty instead <laughs> of, I'm complete. 
I'm never complete. <laughs> oh, I, you know, I, I got rid of that. We, we did the reign of appreciation last night and, oh you know, I, I, I forgot. Oh, yeah, we, well, oh, we invented man, we that, have... but I think everybody does that now, but we'll tell them about that another time. <laughs> okay. Maybe we start out the next show, but the, the bottom line is we've spent a couple episodes talking about what is needed uh, and required to be leaders. And we looked at it through the lens of, uh, uh, the model that you created. And, and this is, it kind of comes at it a very different way, but I think both are equally, uh, you know, important and uh, correct. So with that, uh, until next time, everyone, keep telling us what you like and what you don't like. Uh, we're now on Google business, and I'm not sure exactly what that means, but <laughs> you can go to Google and find us. <laughs> well, I'm going to go get a snack. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> so, okay, we didn't let you have a snack coming in. So uh, signing off, go and get a snack. You've worked hard. Thanks for joining us today. And hopefully you got some takeaways from today's conversation. If you're a regular listener, you might have noticed that I have not been dropping an episode like we did the first 58 episodes every Tuesday morning for your listening. And the last couple of weeks, I'd say the last month, I've been a little tardy in getting them posted uh, because we've had a lot happening, Joyce and I, in our lives. Uh, she lost her husband uh, about five weeks ago, and my wife had uh, major knee replacement surgery that kind of took me uh, off the field and onto the sidelines. And why do I share all that? Next week, we're going to jump into the impact of anxiety and stress and burnout in the workplace and being able to look in the mirror or look at our organization and answer the question, what does this group, what do these individuals need now to get back on their game? So uh, hopefully you'll join us and until next time, be well.